Folks, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've been going through the book of Thessalonians in our morning message time on Sundays, and we're going to focus on verses 9 through 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And we've been doing this series, we're really looking at both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and we've been talking about having peace in the coming storm. How do we operate as believers and have peace that can only be found in Jesus in the midst of a world that seems to be going in chaos, and we really decided that maybe we should look at 1st Thessalonians, because that's the world that the Thessalonians found themselves in. There's been some powerful and precious things that Paul has shared with them that has been so important for them to understand. It's so important for you to under, you and I to understand. Because I want you to think about it, all right? So if you think about how our world is going right now, there's, there's this immense stress that's not just happening in our lives, but it's happening in our culture, it's happening in, in our community, it's happening with everybody's People are just on edge, whether it's about politics, whether it's about the COVID crisis, whether it's about the economy, whether it's about something else, it just seems like everybody is just ready to explode. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that on TV. And here you are, you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and it's so easy for your flesh to want to get caught up in acting that way. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. It's so easy to get offended these days. And how do you respond? How are you a believer in Jesus Christ? How are you supposed to respond in this world? How are you supposed to to live in this world. And I think it's amazing that when you come to chapter 4, Paul, in his expression of his concern for the Thessalonians, which we saw that in chapters 1 through 3, he wants something for them. Well, let me read you the verse. It's verse 1. I know we're going to focus on verses 9 through 12 today, but you've got to get the understanding of why verses 9 through 12 by going back to verse 1. Look at what he says here. Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. See, this one verse is really going to tell us what's important, what, what we should be focusing on, even as the world around us seems to be going in chaos and many times falling apart. He wants us to abound more and more. What, what, what does that mean? He's talking about thriving here. He wants you and I to thrive. You say, is that possible, George? Is it possible for me to be all that I need to be in my relationship with Jesus in the midst of what's going on and the crisis that's going on and the news I got? Is it possible for me to thrive? Yeah, it is. So I want to point out a couple things here. 
couple things from these verses. I've mentioned them to you the last couple of weeks as well, but I got to keep reminding you of these, okay? So here's the first one. We are called to thrive as believers. You have got to mark that one down. When you get up in the morning and you're like, oh no, another day, I've got to go to the office or I've got to go to work and what's it going to be like when I go to the store and, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I mean, and, and, and you're just defeated and you're stressed. You have to take it to the bank. You have to set your hope on something that's sure. And the fact is, is that God wants you to thrive. Now, when I talk about thriving, I'm not talking about like some TV preachers who are talking about that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. That is not in the least bit what God is talking about. There are many believers around the world who are thriving in their relationship with Jesus Christ And they are the poor of this world. They're suffering for their faith, but they're thriving because of that relationship. Thriving is so much more. Thriving is being all that you are supposed to be in in who you are as a believer, in your calling as a believer in Jesus Christ. So we are called... To, to thrive, and you need to understand that God wants you to thrive. And, and here's the second thing I want you to see. The key to thriving is living to please God. That's really the key. The key to thriving is living to please God. So how are you going to thrive? Well, you're going to thrive as you please God with your life. Well, the question then comes, well, well, okay, I want to please God with my life. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's Always amazing that when God tells you to do something in the Bible, he tells you how to do it. And so what follows in the rest of chapter 4 into chapter 5 is really his telling us to do certain things. So we saw last week we are we're to thrive because we are sexually pure. We're staying away from sexual immorality. We talked about that last week. Today, he's going to focus on the whole issue of love, and and we'll talk about that in a moment. But then we're also going to see that we have to talk about the hope that we have for the future. We thrive as we have this hope. We're going to take a couple of weeks to discuss that. And then he's just going to give us some practical, everyday things we should be doing in our spiritual lives. And as we try through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's asking us to do, you're going to see that you're going to thrive in your relationship. So let's talk about that next commandment. You know, we reflected that Jesus gave us that commandment in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. It's very interesting when you look at these these verses 9 through 12, he's going to reflect on that whole issue of love, loving each other. And so, well, let's look at them together, all right? Pay attention to these verses. Here's what Paul writes in verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, You have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, 
you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, that you may not that you may lack nothing. Wow, these are some powerful verses. You say, does all of this have to do with love? Yes, and we're going to discuss that here. We're actually going to take these verses and we're going to divide them into three sections. We're going to talk about knowing how to love. He makes some comments there. We're going to talk about loving more, and then we're going to talk about love lived out. So let's let's look at these, these scriptures together. So let's focus, first of all, on verse 9. Look at what he says again in verse 9. He says this, But concerning brotherly love, I have no need that you that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. All right, a couple of points I want to make here. All right, the first one's very obvious. You don't need instructions concerning how to love. All right, I think if we would just pause for a moment and reflect for a moment. I mean, I think every one of us knows that we're supposed to love people and that love is supposed to flow out of our lives. Of course, remember, we've already mentioned earlier when we were looking at the scripture for this week that the two commandments that Jesus said that are most important are the love of the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. To that, he added a new commandment. We saw that in John chapter 13, verse 34, that you love one another. So here's the thing. You don't need to be instructed in how to love. What you do need is to allow yourself to love. Because there are things that we allow to choke out that love in our life, because that love's there. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you right now, that love is there. That love is waiting to flow out of your life towards the people around you. How do I know it's there? Because you've been filled with the spirit of love, the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that helps you to love other people. The problem is, though, let's just be honest, that can be quenched and that can be stifled in our lives because of anger. And boy, do we live in an angry time right now. And so how we treat people is based upon their views of this and how they're acting here and how they're doing this, when in reality, we've been told to just love. And, 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 and you don't need instructions. Well, how do I love somebody like that? You don't need instructions. You just need to love them. Here's the second thing he says here. God himself teaches us to love each other. I can't tell you how to love, but God tells you how to love. And that's where you respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So let me just go ahead and tell you, that really much tells me here that Love is to be lived out practically in the way we treat each other, in the way that we do things, not just a concept, well, I love you, but we don't ever do anything. Love 
It's to be expressed. And God is the one who teaches you. How does he teach me? Listen to the promptings of the Spirit in your life when he tells you to do something for somebody else. And you do it because of love. It's love expressed. Do you understand? It's love expressed. And we're going to see that a little bit later. We're going to see love lived out here in a little bit, especially in a few areas. And we'll talk about those as we get further along. So first of all, you need to not be instructed. God is the one who instructs you, but you need to love. Okay, so then that brings us to verse 10. Look with me at verse 10. We're going to see about the whole issue about loving more. And indeed, you do so towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So a couple things I want to point out to you from this verse, okay? A couple things. Here's the first one. They were already expressing love towards other believers. So here the Thessalonians, they were already showing love to all believers, and notice where they were showing it, throughout all Macedonia. That's like throughout their entire state or province. Isn't that amazing? They weren't just showing love to a cloistered few people or just to their family or people who were like them or thought like them. They were showing love to all the brethren, to all the believers throughout that entire province. Macedonia. So they were already doing this. See, this is the thing. You and I should already be showing love towards each other. I've said this for years. In all the years that I've been pastoring and interacting with different believers in different places, in different churches, whenever I meet mean people in church, I always question in my mind, do they truly know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, meanness is not the characteristic of someone who is called to be a disciple. Do you understand me? Meanness should not be reflective of your walk with Christ. You should be loving people. Do you understand? You should be loving people. I want you to see that, okay? I want you to see that. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Go <clears throat> they are being called to increase in their love for others more and more. They are being called to increase in their love for others more and more. See, the reality is this, is that yes, as you are loving, you need to begin to express that love towards others in your life more and more. Continue to do that. Continue to grow. See, you can't be just satisfied. Well, I'm, I'm doing okay in the way I'm living right now. No, no. You need to express it more and more. Express that love more and more out of your love. You need to continue to grow in love. You can't be satisfied with where you're at and how you're treating other people. You need to be striving to go further. That's what he's saying here. Well, then that brings us to verses 11 through 12. 11 through 12, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here because he's going to talk about love lived out, okay? He's going to talk about you and I showing that love towards other people. So I want you to notice with me, verse 11, it says this. 
But you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So I'm going to give you two points here, okay? First of all, he says that you and I need to make it your aim to live in harmony with others. You and I are to make it our aim, your aim, to live in harmony with others. So what are we talking about here, George? Well, if you're going to express love towards other people, a lot of times we don't express that love because of, quote, how they're, quote, acting towards us. Well, I'm not going to love them because they're not showing any love to me. Kind of brings up that whole concept from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that you what? Treat others in a way that is reflective of how you want them to treat you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You need to be expressing love. Now, how do I do that? I think it's very interesting. He gives us some practical means here. Like, for instance, look at this. First of all, he says that you aspire to lead a quiet life. That's what he's talking about here, that you and I aspire to lead a quiet life, that we be in such a way that it's our life is quiet. We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We're not being loud. We're not being obnoxious. We're leading a quiet life. That's very loving of people, especially if you think about the day that we live in. We don't need more arrogant people right now. Did you understand what I'm saying? We don't need more arrogant people expressing their opinions. we got enough opinions going on right now. What we need is folks who love other people. And that's true in the church. We don't need opinionated people. We need people who are striving to lead a quiet life. That's true for a pastor. That's true for each and every one of us. Here's what it goes on. He says, listen, to mind your own business. Wow. Well, I understand, George, we shouldn't be gossiping. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. Because you could be nebbing in people's business without being a gossip. Sometimes we feel like it's our right to know what's going on in everybody's lives. If you want to live in love towards other people, then really what needs to happen is, is you lead your quiet life, but you don't worry about what's going on in somebody else's life. I mean, you worry about it in the sense that you pray for them, but you don't meddle in their business. You don't impose yourself in their lives. That's a loving thing to do. He goes on here. Look at what he says. And to work with your own hands. What's he talking about here? Well, Here's the thing, if you want to show love to other people, you don't impose yourself on other people for them to take care of you. That's not a loving thing to do. 
That's not a loving thing to do. And so we see that here. He says to make it your aim to live in harmony with others. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Live out your life in a way that is proper before people outside of the church. Whoa. So the stuff that we were talking about earlier, about not getting involved in other people's business, leading a quiet life, that's what's concerning how you should be in the church. Now he's talking about how you are to be outside of the church, and he's saying that the way you live your life outside of the church is you live it in a way that is proper before them. Proper. I mean, look at what he says here. Look at what he says. I mean, this is not George saying it, that you may walk properly towards those, out, towards those outside of the church and that you may lack nothing. See, God wants you to thrive. And one of the key things about you thriving in your spiritual life is how you are towards other people. Well, I don't agree with them. Fine, you don't agree with them. There's a lot of things I don't agree with you about. But we live in harmony with each other because we choose to love. That's what's missing today, isn't it? We are called to love. We're called to love God with our lives. We're called to love God with how we live our lives in how we interact with other people. We're called to love people. So sometimes, can I be honest with you, the key to all of these things that we've just talked about here is swallowing our pride. It's swallowing our know-it-all attitudes. And we have them. I have them. Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. That's really not the issue. The issue is loving people as Jesus loved us. Isn't it what he said in John 13, 34? A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another just as I have loved you. If God could love you, if God could love me, then I'm supposed to love other people. And I don't need to be taught how to do that. I just need to let it flow out of my life because God is the one who teaches me. I need to... Have it be a regular part of my life like it was a regular part of the Thessalonians' lives. I need to increase in that love and I need to think about how I'm living in my interaction with others inside and outside of the church for that love to be expressed. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, I got one thought. Again, we're going to carry this thought over from last week because it has to do with the whole issue of you thriving. So last week, we talked about you thriving with regards to that whole issue of sexual purity. This week, we're talking about thriving with regards to the whole issue of love, brotherly love, loving each other. So here it is. You have to choose if you want to thrive or flounder. It's your choice. Bottom line, listen to me, folks. It's your choice. I can't make it for you. I have to focus on what I'm going to do. I want to thrive. Do you want to thrive? I'm hoping you do. I've floundered before in my spiritual life. I don't like that. I hope you don't like it 
about being floundering. Some of you are floundering right now. It's not a good place to be. So my question is, do you want something more? Well, you've got to choose it. Well, yeah, I want to do it. I want to thrive. Well, then, you know what? With that choice comes the actions. And we've seen one of them today. Love one another. We saw another one last week. Abstaining from sexual immorality. Not defrauding others. You and I have to make that choice. And so here's what my hope is. My hope as pastor is, for myself, for my family, for, for my church family, that we would decide that we want to thrive in our relationship with Jesus Christ. No matter what else is happening around us, we want to be all that he wants us to be, and we want to abound more and more, as Paul says. We want to thrive in our relationship. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for your mercy and for, for the many ways that you work in our lives. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you that it is your spirit who fills us and who has filled us to overflowing with your love. And that love that is flowing out of our lives is to be flowing towards others around us. Not just the people we like, but to all people. Because Jesus said, by this shall they know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. That is the greatest testimony that we can give in this world. That we know Jesus is because of our love for one another. And so I pray that it would be true in my life, that I pray that it would be true in each one who's listening to these words. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.